morning, everyone. Apologies, I'm a little croaky today. Hopefully, I'll just have enough energy and volume to, to crack this one up. Week five of our series called Chainless and Fearless. Anyone like to be chainless and fearless? Do you know what? God's plan for you is freedom. And uh, I know this in, in a way has probably felt you know, a little bit hard going through some of these things. But you know, what's occurred to me as we've been walking our way through this is that every single one of these issues we all face. Every single one of us. To different degrees, of course. Some have, have perhaps moved past some of it to an extent. But they're real live issues. And, and as we were worshipping there, I just had the sense, knowing what's coming... That for some of you today, it's Freedom Day. Today is Freedom Day. And I'm just going to pray over you now before I kick off here, just that the Word of God will really penetrate your heart and your soul. Last week we talked about, you know, letting God in and allowing to heal the hurts of the past. We're going to be looking backwards a little bit again today. But I honestly believe that God's Word has the power to change your life and heal your heart, and set you free. Amen. Anyone else agree with that? Amen. Okay, so I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to introduce you to a disappointed Dwayne. Okay, so let's pray. Join your faith with mine. Father, we thank you so much for the power of your word. Lord, you sent your word to heal. Your word is like a double-edged sword. Your word is alive and active. It's quick and powerful. God, we need it. We remember that the entrance of your word brings light. And we need light sometimes in that darkness. And so, Father, I pray by the power of your spirit, Lord, that you would take your word today and bring it to life. Lord, just as you could speak through the dubious prophet's donkey, I believe, Lord, that you can speak through me utter words of truth and life and hope and healing and freedom in this place. Because today is Freedom Day. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, excellent. Let's uh, get cracking. Dwayne is disappointed. When he looks back on his life, he sees a catalogue of mistakes and failures, big and small. So many unfulfilled desires, unmet expectations, and disappointed dreams. And boy, does Dwayne look back. Everything seems to be measured by the past in one way or another. I've already tried that. Didn't work. I'd hang out with those people, but they know what I've done. If you'd seen what I'd seen, you'd avoid that too, for sure. It's almost as though Dwayne has forgotten anything good he's ever done. It's as though he just can't see it. It's all been filtered out. He just replays the negative stuff around and around, over and over. Sure, Dwayne has been hurt, but he never really processed the wounds. Sure, Dwayne has failed, but in reality, no more than the next guy. It's just taken an exaggerated magnitude in his thinking. Because of all of this, Dwayne has labelled himself a disappointment. He expects to disappoint He isn't surprised when he does and has all his speeches rehearsed. Unfortunately, because of his past failures are at the forefront of his mind, they tend to control his decisions, dictate his plans and dominate his conversations. 
It's as though he has a dark, simmering storm cloud over his head. And who wants to go there? People seem to keep their distance from Duane for that very reason. As for God, well, no wonder he's angry with me. That sense of shame that I feel is well earned. Of course I should feel bad about it. It was bad. Why should I be happy? I certainly don't deserve to be. So Duane is sad. There's a sense of heaviness and regret that has stolen his peace and taken away any semblance of joy. He's clearly frustrated, generally withdrawn, and mostly sad. Disappointed Duane. Well, I've got good news for Duane today. Today is Freedom Day. Amen. Last week, uh, we dealt with, with rejection. Rejection, in essence, is us being disappointed with others. Today, I want to look at us being disappointed with ourselves. Let me ask a question. Don't show your hands. Anyone else in here ever stuffed up? Any of us have any deep regrets? Do you play games like this? If I could go back and change just three things I did, what would they be? Anyone play that game besides me? Have you noticed how those incidents haunt you? Unnaturally so. How come in the 18,486 days you've lived, okay, that's me. <laughs> I use my calculator, you can Google that. How, how many days have I been like 18,000 something. How come those particular three days are the ones that keep coming back to mind? I'd say it's uncanny, it's unnatural, and it's definitely unsettling. Why do those bad memories and disappointments play again and again in your head? And the answer is, the enemy loves playing on our failures. In scripture, the enemy is described as the accuser of the brethren. Revelation 12.10. He's described as the father of lies in John 8.44. He's described as our adversary in 1 Peter 5 verse 8. In other words, he sets himself up against you. He accuses you and labels you and lies to you repeatedly. No wonder uh, 1 Peter 5 verse 8 describes him as, as like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. No wonder John 10, uh, 10 describes him as a thief who comes not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. He's also called Beelzebub. If you're in a teenager, that's, that's the lyric in Bohemian Rhapsody, that new song that's all the rage. You know, the, the, the name Beelzebub literally means Lord of the Flies. Well, with apologies for the next picture. What do flies hang around, everybody? Dung. You know, your dung is the enemy's favorite place. And that's where he and his hordes 
love to hang out. You know, this is, this is the enemy's default attack. It's his plan A. And that's the arena of guilt, shame, and condemnation. It's his home territory. It's where he goes repeatedly for easy wins. That is bringing up your past and smacking you around the head with it once again. The enemy uses the past to attack your confidence. You messed up before, you'll mess up again. It's inevitable. I don't know why you bother. You're a failure by name and a failure by nature. The enemy will use your past to attack your security. Have you forgotten how bad it was? Are you sure God forgave you? You're a fraud. You're, you're a hypocrite. You're, you're disqualified. The enemy uses the past to attack your identity. Call yourself a child of God. They don't behave like that. Righteous? Hardly. Holy? Not a chance. Worthy? Nothing could be further from the truth. You know, the enemy loves that stuff. Finally, we can get on to, oh no, next, next photo. The enemy loves that stuff. It's, it's like mud to a pig. Or, or in our case, freshly laid farmer's manure to an Irish setter. <laughs> the enemy uses it to create fear. He uses it to create an atmosphere of negativity and a hopelessness. And he uses it to keep you locked in your chains and locked in your fears. But you know what? I have good news. Today is Freedom Day. Amen. Amen. And all this is why it is so, so, so important that we understand the gospel and we understand the power of the gospel. Let's uh, throw out a couple of little questions for you. What is God's relationship with your past failures? We'll come to that in a second. How does God look at your past failures? Does he even look at your past failures? Or is it just you? Maybe with a little bit of a demonic nudge. Do you know what follows here in the next few minutes is not new news, but it is very, very good news. But it's vital that this is not just theory in a book, but reality in your life. Because you are going to be tested in the arena of your thought life, particularly referring to your past and your disappointments. You're going to be tested in that arena repeatedly. So, with the gospel in mind, I'm going to throw out three verses that that you'll hear quoted around here quite often. Um, First one is Psalm 103. I wanted to read the whole chunk, but we just haven't got time. So, verses 11 and 12. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, How far is that, folks? Very high. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. Verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Now, when he talks about the east and the west, he's not talking about the distance between budgeons and the barn. 
Okay, we're not talking about East Bidford and West Bidford, and don't ask me which of those two is which. When you, when you reach distances of the scale and magnitude that God is talking about here, the, the East from the West, those, those distances are measured actually in time. They're measured in light years. So how far is East from West? The answer is that'll be a pretty long way. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. I'll put it like this. He's buried our sins in eternity. He's cast them into infinity and removed them from us permanently. So I told you this is good news. I was taught this little jingle when I was younger. And it's this. Jesus... Jesus cast our sin into the sea of forgetfulness and hung a sign saying, no fishing. And if the enemy reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. Anyone heard that one before? Isaiah 1 verse 18. Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord, though your sins are as scarlet. I mean, let's face it, they're scarlet. Though your sins are as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. You know, you Brits really don't get snow. Speaking as a Canadian, I know I hide it well. Do you know, I remember many years ago going for a walk in the snow in the Trent University Trails, Peterborough, Ontario. And I remember walking through the crisp, crunchy snow, quite heavy snowfall, and looking behind me and seeing the footsteps that I had laid 20 metres behind were already covered with snow. Really beautiful, actually. And for me, this was, was just a stunning picture of what God does with your disappointments. Though your sins are as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. And if we had time to talk about the blood, we would, but we don't. Third verse, Romans 8, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, there is now no condemnation. I know I'm a dripping tap, guys, but we'll get there in the end. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Now, just imagining we're in the deep, dark south for a minute. There is therefore now no condemnation. Does anyone need any clarification as to what the word no means? Right? God does not condemn you. In fact, God condemned Jesus in your place as he hung on the cross. Therefore... There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You are free. No chains. No fears. Here's the reality. Put this in a nutshell. Four points. Number one, you have not been set free from the memory of your disappointments. They're still in there. You've not been set free from that. Number two, you've not been set free from the consequences of your past disappointments. 
There's a feisty little verse in Numbers 32, verse 23, which says, Be sure your sins will find you out. Right? There may well still be consequences in this life that you're working your way through that result from your past disappointments. Sorry about that. Not being set free from that. But you have been set free from the penalty of your sins. And you have been set free from guilt, shame, and condemnation. You have. Isaiah 43, verse 25. God says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions. Think that snow thing again. And remembers your sins no more. In God's eyes, the price has been paid in full. The stain has been removed and the memory has been forgotten. Forgotten means he chooses never, ever, ever to recall it from his omniscient mind. You know, we understand, don't we, that God knows absolutely everything. So it's in there. He just chooses never to bring it up never to use it against you and never to torment you with it because he has forgotten it. The corollary of that is, if it is in there and it is tormenting you and it is accusing you, it has not come from God. It must have come from somewhere else. The New Living Translation says, I, yes, I alone will blot out your sins for my own sake and will never Think of them again. Jesus cast our sins into the sea of forgetfulness and hung a sign saying, no fishing. If the enemy reminds you of your past, just remind him of his future. Here's the truth. God just isn't fishing. Not fishing. However, the enemy definitely is. And the chances are, you probably are too. And that's the problem. So I reckon it's time that we did something about that. Do you agree? Because it's time for a new plan. How can, we, how can we healthily move past disappointment? How, how can we change the way we process it when it does come back up in our mind? How can we break this cycle of guilt and shame and regret and self-punishment, disappointment, and potentially even depression? Because if you're anything like me, you can take yourself on quite the guilt trip, playing that shame and beating yourself up right royally. Because here's the danger. The danger is that your disappointments get blown way out of proportion and they become a stronghold in your life with a stronger hold than the gospel. So what's the escape route? Anyone tried escape rooms yet? Anyone get out? I've not tried it. And as I understand it, not not everyone makes their way out. Mm. 
even though it's possible. Today my plan is to show you the way out. And we're going to do that, that by three thoughts. Okay, the first thought is to maintain a soft, repentant heart. Number two is to take every thought captive. Anyone else excited? I love that principle. And number three is to develop new thinking patterns. This is really practical. So let's work our way through, just quickly through each of those for the sake of time. Number one, maintain a soft, repentant heart. 1 John 1 verse 9, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You know, we don't, we don't tend to talk about repentance so much these days. And I think part of the reason for that is much of the teaching that I've heard about repentance has been pretty closely linked to the guilt, shame, condemnation stuff. The definition of repentance, as, as I'm sure all good church folk know, repentance is a changing of the mind. It's choosing a new direction. It's walking away from sin and leaving it behind. Biblical repentance, true repentance is not, sorry I got caught. Parents understand that one. It's not, sorry I got caught, but sorry I offended your holiness. And sorry I I jeopardized our closeness. I think for me, in my simplified thinking anyway, repentance operates in two forms. First of all, it operates as an, as an in-the-moment response to sin. Yeah. I sin, Holy Spirit convicts, I repent. Whoa, yikes, sorry. But I also think that repentance should be an attitude that we cultivate as the Lord is working in our hearts. So Psalm 51 verse 16 says, You do not desire a sacrifice, or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. Isaiah 57 verse 15 says this, The high and lofty one says this, I live with those whose spirits are contrite and humble. I restore the crushed spirit of the humble and revive the courage of those with repentant hearts. God is looking for us to have hearts that are laid bare before him. God is looking for us to have hearts that are quick to repent, quick to run from sin, and quick to run back to him, back into fellowship, back into grace, back into his word. So so the application for us in this context is is pretty simple. Once you've repented, it's dealt with. I'll say that again because that's crucial in the gospel. Once once you've repented, it's dealt with. Once once you've placed it under the blood, Isaiah 1 verse 8, though your sins are scarlet, they are white as snow. Romans 8 verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Psalm 103 verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far has you... Okay, you get get the picture. Once it's under the blood, 
It enters the category of forgotten in God's eyes. And do you know what? It can safely enter the category of forgotten in your mind too. And what does forgotten mean? Forgotten means that you choose never to bring it up again. You choose never to recall it. You choose never to entertain it. And you choose not to give it any power over you. So it has to start there. It has to start with this idea of repentance. That we maintain, we cultivate, we generate a soft, repentant heart before God. Both in the moment and as an attitude as God works in our lives. That's part one. I'd say this, if your heart is right before God, you should be able to sleep like a baby. Amen. You know, one of the many reasons that, that both worship and prayer are critical is they play such a fundamental role in cultivating in us that softness, cultivating in us that, that, that responsiveness, cultivating in us that, that humility. Worship and prayer play, play such a huge part in in realigning ourselves so that God is on the throne where he belongs and we are at his feet where we belong. So that's number one. Number one is that repentant heart. Number two is take every thought captive. I'm going to read uh, 2 Corinthians uh, uh, 10, verses 3 through 5. This actually is from the Passion Translation. Uh, for, for a bit of variety, he says, For although we live in the natural realm, we don't wage a military campaign employing human weapons, using manipulation to achieve our aims. That's the human way, isn't it? Instead, our spiritual weapons are energised with divine power Amen. to effectively dismantle the defences behind which people hide. We can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God, and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. And then verse 5, here's the key. We capture, like prisoners of war, every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to Christ the Anointed One. So if we, if we recognise, and I think we've determined this already, that this falls in the category of demonic attack, you know what, it's time to get a little militant. Time to recognise this for what it is and to take a strong stand against it. And our defence is to take every lying and manipulating and accusing thought captive. Amen. To lock it up and throw away the key. So every thought goes through that word filter. And so that the truth gets through, but the lies do not. I'd say this. Don't be ashamed to let the enemy know that you know that he's a liar. They say that talking to yourself is the first sign of madness. Which in my head makes an interesting question about preaching. But anyway, that's another story. If the first sign of madness, I would say actually talking to yourself is the first step to freedom. It goes something like this. No, I refuse to receive you. 
and I refuse to entertain you. Thought. What did Jesus say? Get thee behind me, Satan. I'd rehearse that line and use it often. Sometimes you need to have a get thee behind me, Satan moment. It goes like this. No liar. That failure is forgiven. No accuser. That sin is under the blood. No, I have truly and fully repented. In fact, I did it 30 years ago, so leave me alone. Because that's the reality, probably. So crucial that we take every captive at source, every thought captive at source, that we put it on the scales and we measure it, we put it through those filters and we make those definitive decisions right there and then. You know, just as you, you don't give a spark oxygen, so utterly starve that guilt. Amen. Utterly starve that shame. Don't give it any oxygen at all. Keep it firmly in its box, which is stamped and sealed, forgiven Amen. and forgotten. The reality, folks, is we all live here. Every single one of us is fighting these battles throughout every single day. You are not alone. But the good news is you have been given the tools for victory and for freedom. Amen. So number one is, is to maintain that soft, repentant heart. Number two is to take every thought captive. And so I picture you now, you're out on that prayer walk and the enemy starts lying in you again and you immediately go, do you know what, God, I've dealt with that, it's in the past. And you grab it and say, no, I'm just not going there. What tends to happen for me is the enemy just keeps tapping away. Are you sure? Are you sure it's dealt with? Are you sure this, this hasn't got a little root in there, a little hook in there somewhere? That, you know, this regret, surely, it's, you know, you don't, haven't you forgotten how bad it was? And so at that point, we need number three, which is to, to develop new thinking patterns. Amen. Right, for this one, Philippians 4 verse 8, and I wish I had time to do the whole little passage here, but I don't. Philippians 4, verse 8, which you may be familiar with, says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts on what is true and on what is honorable and on what is right and on what is pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. What A-grade advice. That is, folks. You know, the, the context here, which I don't have time for, unfortunately, is, is this verse follows a sequence in, in which, first of all, we're encouraged to rejoice in the Lord. Then we're encouraged to take our, our cares and our burdens, our, our fears and our disappointments to the throne of grace. Amen. And then in the sequence, off the back of that, we receive the peace that passes understanding. And then just kind of to wrap it up, to seal it up, there's an instruction to decisively change the way we think. I want you to notice very quickly what is on this list and what is not. Is it true? Is it right? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Aren't a tick? Yes, those things are on that list. Is it shameful? 
Not, not on the list. Is it accusing you? Not on the list. Is it leaving you feeling condemned? It's not on the list. Does it beat you up or torment you or haunt you? The answer is, it's not on the list. So when that nonsense comes your way, and it will, redirect your thoughts. I am a dearly loved child of the King. I am forgiven and accepted. I am chosen and adopted. I'm going to choose to fix my eyes on Jesus. I'm going to choose thanksgiving. I'm going to remind myself and anyone listening quite how big my God is. It's amazing how fast the enemy will run away when you start doing that, incidentally. Do you know what, folks? It's time to blast disappointment into the abyss. Carefully chosen words. It's time to prophesy a new future based on new creation realities, which is who you are in Christ, not on who the liar would want you to believe you are in your sin. That old person has been killed, crucified, died, buried with Christ, and risen again a new creation. Not folks, this is the life of the fearless and chainless. And this is your life. If you will step into it. If you will maintain that soft, open, repentant, responsive heart to God. If you will learn to take every one of those mean, unkind, accusing, manipulating, repetitive, unnatural thoughts. Take them captive at source immediately, every time. And then if you'll learn to retrain yourself into Philippians 4 verse 8, this is what I'm going to fix my mind on. This is what I'm going to fix my thoughts on. Is it true? No, well, reject it then. Is it right? No, it's a lie. Get rid of it. Is it helpful and uplifting and encouraging? Okay. Forgiven Dwayne. Here we go. Dwayne has had his fair share of disappointments, but now he has them in perspective. He has come to realise that his past failures don't define him and that he receives no credit for beating himself up repeatedly. I'm going to say that whole line again because that's for some people today. He has come to realise that his past failures don't define him Jesus defines him. And that he receives no credit for beating himself up repeatedly. Because Jesus was beaten up, okay? They're under the blood. The very things Jesus died for. And he's become a new creation. He has learned to redeem those disappointments. Mistakes are learning opportunities. And a suitably humbling reminder that he needs God's grace. Don't we all? And that's the key. Duane has learned that disappointments are part and parcel of life on this fallen planet, but that God is ever working to renew, repair, and restore us in the image of Christ. When the enemy reminds of his past, Duane grins back and says, is that all you've got? 
It takes a mental discipline for sure and occasionally he gets lazy, but now he knows what's coming and is much better at telling it where to go. Dwayne is no longer afraid of God, no longer concerned that God is out to get him, to shame him, to punish him. And now Dwayne has a much more balanced view of his past. He's able to use his experiences to help others. He is less judgmental and more compassionate and much more fun to be around. The heaviness is gone. The regret has been healthily processed. And now there is a fresh sense of hope as Dwayne takes on the opportunities of each new day. Yay for Dwayne. Okay, so how are we going to respond uh, uh, to this uh, this morning? Pretty, pretty simply, really. Just, just two categories. Do you know what? For some of you, that there are disappointments that still haunt you. Do you know what? Today, just go put them under the blood. Amen. Once and for all. And when you get home, write yourself a little note in your diary and said, on this day, October the 6th, 2019, which I think it is, I repented, I put it behind me, I gave it to the Lord, he forgot about it, job done. That's, that's the first step. And I'd say for people in this room today, if there are disappointments that continually haunt you, the first step, as God shows you, is to deal with them. Deal with them once and for all. Today you're going to have the opportunity as we, as we wrap up here for the next five, ten minutes, we respond. You're going to have the opportunity to do that. You can do that in your seat. You can come to the front. However you want to do that, you can do that. And the second thing I'd just, I just like you to do is I'd like you to invite God in to, to give you two things. First of all, the ability to recognize that demonic attack when it comes. That's the first step. Here we go again. You'll all recognize it probably. First of all, the ability to recognize it, and then, and then the mental discipline to, to take that thought captive, to, to embrace plan A. It may well be that you've been caught in very negative cycles here of replaying this stuff over and over again, allowing it to beat you up, and allowing that shame and that fear to grab hold of you. Well, today I'd encourage you, pray some big prayers, say, God, I'm done with that. Amen. Because today I've seen the light. Because today was my freedom day and now I recognize that there's a whole new way that I can deal with this stuff. God, in your strength, using your word as the filter, fixing my eyes on you, I can break this chain off of my life and I can move past it. So that's, that's how I'd encourage you to respond today. What are the disappointments? Deal with them. And secondly, God, would you take me in to a new way, a new way. I'm going to invite the, the worship team to come forward, if that's okay. Um, I'm going to suggest you stand to wiggle your toes. And uh, I'm going to pray. And then just open up five minutes or so for response time, and then Dave will wrap up. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we thank you so much for the blood of Jesus. Where would we be without it? But the good news is we don't need to consider that because we have it. Because our sins have been washed away. Because in your mind it has been forgotten.
and because we bask in lavish gospel grace. Father, I pray for the next few minutes, Lord, as we respond to this. Holy Spirit, would you speak and stir in hearts? Lord, would you just cascade your love and your forgiveness and your encouragement and your hope over every soul in this room? And Lord, if there are steps that we need to take to move out of that old destructive way into the new way, God, would you show us what they are today? In Jesus' name, amen.